Hi everyone, thank you for joining our second podcast, People Talk. So this time we're going to be thinking about innovative ways to motivate employees in challenging times. I think we would all agree they are challenging times at the moment uh, for everyone and we're going to be looking at a few different ways of motivating employees beyond pay. So I hope that by the end of this podcast you'll have some good ideas to take away into your business or organisation. I'm joined today by Joanne Boyle. Joanne's a senior lawyer, a legal director in our team, and she does a lot of work on management development and culture change programs with our clients. So it'd be really good to hear from her and her practical experience. We've also got Mike Thompson, who's a lawyer in the team and who's going to talk to us really about a case study of what he's seeing in relation to being able to be innovative around working hours and employee well-being and the benefits that that might bring for you. And finally, Laura Ortiero, who is a lawyer in our financial services team, and will be able to talk to us a little bit about schemes that can benefit employees who may be finding that they're under real financial pressure and giving you as employers some of the tips that you need to think about in terms of what you do on the regulatory side for for establishing those sorts of schemes. So a lot of content, so I will get straight into it. As I said at the beginning, there's a high rate of inflation at the moment. There are pressures on employees in terms of mortgage payments increasing, utility costs increasing, and a number of employees, quite understandably, are coming to employers to say it's really the employer's job to solve those issues for them. Employers are also coming under inflationary pressures and are concerned about you know, the economy, potential recession. So we are in a challenging situation. Joe, I'll come to you first. What are you seeing when you're working with clients on culture change programs and sort of looking at that employee engagement piece? What are you hearing in terms of these these pressures? Thanks, Karen. Yes, I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time going around the country uh, working with leaders of organisations to equip frontline managers with, with the skills they need to motivate and engage staff. And the message from them is resoundingly clear. It is getting harder and harder. The fact is that this is a new world, as if Brexit and COVID wasn't enough. For example, we're a law firm and a recent headline was that government legal services lawyers negotiated a 16% pay rise and uh, staff in the private sector will say, well, um, what are you going to do for me, employer? They've just had 16%. Network rail staff and rail strikes, there's competing views. Some people think poor rail workers, we support them. And others think, wow, they have a fantastic wage and a really good pension. So they're looking to their employer and saying, what are you going to do for me? The news is so immensely negative on so many levels. And this has followed years of different exceptional one-off events. And of course, this takes a toll on people's mental health, their ability to detach and their entitlement to what they think they're entitled to is clearly exacerbated by the rising cost of living and what's happening in the wider world. So we're hearing more and more from our clients on the challenging times that they are facing with pay and engagement. And we're regularly working with clients on how best they can increase motivation and engagement. Now, clearly one way alternative to pay is to invest in development of your leaders. And as you know, I deliver a four-day 21st century manager program and we're doing an awful lot of inclusive leadership programs where staff are proud to work for their employer. They feel valued and developed and you're giving them the tools for them to be able to help themselves and also to help their team members to nip things in the bud rather than this ever-growing us-them culture. It's all about culture, really. You've got to get your culture right. 
Thank you, Joe. I mean, that's that's really interesting. And I think it's, it is an important point to think about when there are pressures on uh, reward strategies. A big part of it is also how connected employees feel, whether they feel that leaders are looking after them. And that's something that we covered a little bit in our previous podcast about employee engagement. Mike, turning to you. So I know that uh, we've been working with clients on thinking about creative ways to put in place well-being benefits or options that really might help employees feel really valued at this difficult time. So one of the things I think we've all seen quite a lot about in the press is potentially moving to a four-day working week without any reduction in salary. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks. So as you say, that we have seen in the news quite a bit over the last year or so where employers are are taking part in in a trial for a four-day working week with no less pay. So 61 employers took part in a, I think it was about a six-month trial period, sort of a wide-ranging different types of organisations. And the overwhelming response to that was that it was really positive. Not only were businesses seeing a a reduction in their overall costs, um, but there was actually an increased level of productivity and engagement from employees. I think they said that uh, it was about 2% more productivity at one company anyway, saying that there was 2% more productivity uh, done in four days than previously done in five. The absenteeism had shrunk by two thirds. Obviously, it's quite a headline grabbing perk. So there's been a lot of people applying for jobs there. So I think overall has been has been quite positive. Obviously, it's it's something for organisations to consider as to whether it works for their business. So, you know, if you're like, for example, with a law firm, you're, some of your clients will want you to be available on a five-day working week. So it's just making sure that you get that balance right. But overwhelmingly, it seems to be quite positive. And, and I think the vast majority of the businesses that took part in the trial have now adopted it on a permanent basis. The big surprise there is that productivity increased rather than decreased, isn't it? I think one of the barriers to doing this would obviously be the concern of the impact overall on the business in terms of productivity and delivering what the business needs. But actually, if productivity increases and the business becomes so much more attractive to employees with different working hours, you know, they're far less likely to leave if they can't find the same arrangement elsewhere. It is really something to think about. And just if uh, any of you listening are interested in this and you want to talk to us about how you would put it in place, you know, one thing is don't forget you could potentially do it on a trial basis. That doesn't set a precedent to say that that is what you then need to continue with permanently. So it might be something that you do want to think about trialing with employees. Joe, what else have you seen employers doing to increase motivation as alternatives to, to pay increases? Well, yeah, I've seen an awful lot of um, the gift that doesn't cost anything, which is hugely attractive to employers. Quite often, employers have a lot of benefits that they provide to their staff, but staff don't really know what they've got. So we've been working with a lot of clients on how to reframe their benefit packages. So how to do an advertising internal campaign to communicate to staff what is available in a way that is not overwhelming. So, for example, eye tests, annual volunteer days are things that most companies have got in place, 
but staff may not be aware of it. And dare I say it, Karen, we are seeing an increasing number of posters being put on the back of toilet doors uh, (laughs) because it's just a really good way of communicating with staff and just changing those every week to, you know, do you know that this is available for you? In addition, I have been uh, working with a number of clients on on quite a number of innovative ways that they can motivate staff. So one of the really good ones we've seen has been introduction of sabbaticals. So, for example, if you have worked here for five years, we will give you two extra weeks off for sabbatical that you can link with two weeks annual leave, giving you a month off. That has had a huge impact on employee retention And for companies that have done that, they have found that staff are talking about the fact that, well, I'm not going to leave before I've had my sabbatical because that opportunity to have a period of time away from work is just something that is so beneficial to an employee. The second thing that I've seen be really successful is the introduction of a lifestyle hour. So saying to your staff for one hour every week, you can finish work early or you can go for a run, or you can do something different. And it's a lifestyle hour, something for you to do for yourself. There's different ways of of how you bring that in. But again, it's a huge benefit for people because it just gives them that mental feeling of freedom for them to do something for themselves. I've also seen the introduction of have the day off when your child starts school. One day off a year extra for your birthday, a birthday bonus day off bringing your dog to work, that can be controversial. But, you know, a lot of organisations have moved down that since the COVID pandemic. Um, And I think there's two really innovative suggestions I've heard of recently. One is stay interviews, Karen, you know, actually saying, rather than waiting for someone to go and doing an exit interview, why don't we invest in the people we've got and have an interview with them on a, you know, quarterly basis? Why are you staying here? What makes this place great for you? And what do you think we can do better? So investing in your talent that's here rather than giving them that time when they're exiting the business. And something that I absolutely loved that I heard of a few weeks ago was something called boomerang bonuses. So if someone leaves the business and they decide to come back, that there's a policy that says if you leave and you decide to come back and we take you back, there'll be a bonus for you. And that's been hugely beneficial where some people have thought that the grass is greener on the other side and then actually thought, "Mm, actually, I'd like to go back. So creating that inclusive culture of that's okay. We'd much rather you leave and come back to us than stay and feel that this isn't a great place to work. Lots of ideas there, Joe, And certainly we've um, had our sabbatical scheme in place here for quite a long time now covering all our employees. And so if any of you want to know more about that, you can contact any of us and we'll let you know how that works in practice. But we see such engagement from being able to offer that. But the stay interviews, that's fascinating. I think that's a really, really strong idea. Boomerang bonuses. First day at school leave. Well, for me today, I feel particularly um, interested in that. It's my son's first trial day at high school. So I'm not sure he would have wanted me to take the day off and just sit here worrying about him on a high school, but I can certainly see for primary school that would be really valuable. So some really good ideas there. Mike, there was one other thing that we've talked about previously between us, which is potentially unlimited annual leave. Now, I'm sure a number of listeners would think that that's a a crazy idea, but what have you seen in practice on that? Yeah, so unlimited annual leave, I think, is, is one of those that looks on paper like it's going to be an amazing perk for employees you know they they can take as much holiday as they want whenever they want however they want they can manage their work-life balance they take full ownership 
And obviously on the face of it, what a great idea. But I've done a bit of digging into this. There's been a few studies done, um, mostly in the US because it's quite popular in the US. A research company did two studies on this, one in 2018, one in 2022. And it actually showed that across the board, employees that have unlimited holiday uh, allowances actually take less holiday than those that have a fixed annual leave plan in place. Um, And really interestingly, I found that between 2018 and 2022, there was a 34, 35% increase in companies offering unlimited annual leave. That was across a a thousand uh, companies that were surveyed. So there was a, a massive increase in employers offering it, but actually the statistically the the number of uh, holiday days actually taken dropped between 2018 and 2022 so even though more businesses are offering it those employees that are impacted actually seem to take even less than they than they did previously and i think that's really interesting um because i mean for me that the most obvious reason for that is that you know the cultural piece you know do employees feel truly comfortable managing their own work-life balance are they comfortable taking more leave than perhaps their colleagues are you know is that a is taking a lot of holiday assign as a lack of commitment to their job or their career and I think it, it all goes back to that cultural cultural piece there's also potentially a, a psychological element this is what the study was saying is for instance if you're given 25 days fixed holiday every year then they're yours to take perhaps you're you know, more motivated to actually take those days than compared to you know just having some unlimited or unquantifiable number I mean, flipping it to the employer's side, you know, potentially it is a, it could be beneficial because it's a great sounding perk. And actually, if employees are taking less holiday, then perhaps that's a money saving idea for the employer. But from my perspective, I mean, surely that defeats the whole purpose of having that policy in the first place. So I think really that employers just need to start thinking about whether that's going to be right for their business. And, and then if they're going to implement it, implement it properly, making sure that there's there's proper rules in place as to you know, sort of how leave is taken, whether it's balanced against the workload uh, of the wider team, for example. And also, as I say, this study was done in the US, but from a UK perspective, we've got, you know, employers have responsibilities under the working time regulations and things to make sure that employees take a minimum amount of rest each year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking about that, actually, that I can imagine how powerful an offer of unlimited annual leave would be in a recruitment round, for example. But with committed employees, you'd absolutely have to watch that actually what isn't happening is, as you say, is that they choose to show that commitment by not taking that leave, not using that flexibility. And you end up in difficulties in terms of rest, time off, refreshment, working time regulations. So something to think about. The other point I think to mention there is buying and selling annual leave. As long as you're not going below the statutory minimums, you might want a scheme where people can sell annual leave if they need to balance financial commitments with their leave entitlements that's a different way of looking at it as well so just to sort of change track a little bit another area that some clients we work with have been looking at is that financial benefits and looking at things like early access to pay so this is where employees can draw down on earned wages before payday to help with specific issues that might be occurring for them that week or that month we know that maybe that is particularly important in relation to, you know, perhaps heading into the winter and people being able to meet higher utility bills. So it has avoided some employees having to use things like payday loans, which come with very, you know, high levels of, of interest and can cause some real financial hardship for individuals. So Laura, it'd be great to bring you in with your financial services expertise. What are the sort of things that employers need to think about in setting up these schemes to help employees? 
Yeah, and we've we've seen businesses do this in kind of two different ways. So one is where the employer makes that advance themselves to the employees. But another way that we've seen quite a lot of our clients do is that the employer will introduce its employees to a third party lender and that lender then provides an advance. And under that type of arrangement, the employer then promises to pay back that third party lender the wages when the employee's pay is due on their payday. So I guess with that first option, it could be seen that the employer there is acting as a kind of lender. Um, so any businesses who want to kind of take that route just need to be a bit careful to think, well, are you carrying out regulated lending? Carrying out any kind of regulated lending requires FCA authorization. To do it without that is a criminal offence. So it's really not something that you want to be doing accidentally. Um, but lending can certainly be structured in a way that falls outside of the regulations. And there's a number of ways to do it. There isn't necessarily an easy answer. But there are exemptions available in the rules for certain loans from employers to employees. There's a lot of conditions attached to that exemption. I'm not going to go through them all now. That would be a very technical, detailed session. But the key really is that no to very little interest needs to be charged, which probably isn't you know, an issue in this kind of scenario because I'm sure employers aren't looking to do that. But I guess if any businesses listening are thinking about doing this where they're paying their employees something before it's it's due to be paid just double checking with their legal advisors something you know that we can assist with just to make sure that the way they've set it up falls squarely outside of the regulations which is feasible and it's and you know it's easy to do it's not an issue it's just making sure that that is the case you don't want to accidentally be carrying out a criminal offense the other option which we are seeing more and more we've provided a lot of advice on this recently is where the employee will introduce their employees to a third party lender who provides that kind of salary advance loan. And there is a lot of businesses in the UK that are providing that type of loan. So we've seen a lot of it recently. Again, slight caveat to that is that the employer could be seen to doing some kind of regulated credit broking by making that introduction. Again, doing that without FCA authorization or an exemption would be a criminal offence. So always good to get this type of arrangement checked. And it's not an easy answer of this is credit broking, this is not. It's really fact specific and it's going to depend on how employers make that introduction, how they're advertising it to their employees. So, yeah, just get it, get that system checked before you implement it. But both options are certainly feasible and there's definitely ways to implement both, either providing the loans yourself or introducing your employees to a third party lender. That can be done outside of regulation. That is such useful advice, Laura. Thank you. I think that um, certainly I've seen some really innovative schemes, for example, supporting employees who are experiencing domestic abuse and need to have additional funds from their employer to be able to escape from that situation. You know, such a such a brilliant and powerful thing to do. And we've actually got a later session coming up after this one that we'll, we'll focus on all the things that you can do around uh, supporting employees in that scenario. But what I would say is, as you say, you don't want to set up schemes like that that are absolutely intended to be helpful and find that inadvertently you've created some liabilities for directors or others in the business. Um, so it's just, just something to take some advice on. Joe, going back to your point about companies thinking about what they already have and how to work more efficiently with that, I think that you know one thing that can be really helpful is, is that transparency in relation to wage data and pay data. So being really clear on the pay slips, what's a lump sum, what's holiday pay, and we have got some clients that have tackled this really well and been really clear on this. There are also providers who are in that space of being able to, as a third party, provide advances on pay. And one of the things that they will do 
is they can provide tools that show employees in real time exactly where they stand in the month. So if the employee does um, variable hours, perhaps, or they take on regular additional shifts or overtime, it will show them in pretty much real time when they log in exactly where they are in that month's earnings, which is a really important tool, just having that control and that understanding of where you are financially. And also what um, I understand that clients have seen in that scenario is that there can be greater uptake and people opting to take on extra shifts, perhaps in the retail industry in particular, or in the leisure industry where they really, you know, are quite short staffed and need that extra engagement because employees can immediately see the impact that that's having on their earnings. So those are all good things to think about. Laura, if employers are listening, know that they have got employees who are actually really struggling at the moment, perhaps, you know, have debts that they're finding difficult, what sort of guidance or support could employers point employees to? Yeah, so debt counselling, which is essentially giving advice to another person about their debts, it is an FCA regulated activity, but it's only if the employer is carrying out that activity by way of business that it would be, you know, require FCA authorisation. What is by way of business? I could go into a full podcast on that and in honour itself, which I won't do, but essentially there has to be some form of commercial element. And I think in this scenario, it's going to be very unlikely that a business is going to start charging or making any kind of commercial benefit from providing debt counselling and debt advice to their employees. So I think regulation, there isn't really an issue there. But that being said, there are a lot of free debt advice services out there who are trained to provide this type of advice. So perhaps directing employees to, you know, the national debt line or citizen advice, you know, could be the best thing to do for your employees. Yeah, there is help out there, isn't there, when they need it. And I think it's important to recognise that this isn't just about employees, you know, at the lower end of the pay scales. It's quite an important social mobility topic as well. It might be that your employees um, just haven't grown up in an environment where they've had access, you know, to good quality financial advice in terms of saving and other things. And there is general sort of financial literacy that could be put in place that really helps to support people's well-being and helps them plan for the future as well. I'm sure we will do later sessions with much more detail on that and on things like, you know, pensions and share schemes and other types of reward schemes that can be put in place. But thank you, Laura. That's really helpful. Um, Mike and Joe, before we wrap up now, is there just anything on sort of potential pitfalls, even if they're unintended, that you would sort of want to get people thinking about? Yeah, sure. So if I jump in there, Joe, um, I, I think the only thing to really flag is the importance of internal campaigns and and engagement with staff when it comes to introducing any kind of innovative enhancements just sort of your point there Karen about whether it's unintended because I think once you look at implementing something that you think is a great idea it might be a great idea from a senior management perspective or for for certain groups of individuals but it it might not work in practice and it might actually place another group of the workforce at at a detriment or, or maybe even a disadvantage so it's just being really mindful of that. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mike. It's it's absolutely vital that any enhancements offered are inclusive and engaging. And if they're not inclusive, there's a clear messaging at the fingertips of managers to avoid perception damage and unintended consequences that can result in demotivation. Two recent examples, if it helps, that I've dealt with. Um, firstly, company introducing a bonus scheme. It was introduced with the best of intentions to motivate staff, but it had the opposite effect with many staff switching off because they saw the bonus scheme as completely unobtainable, potentially driving the wrong behaviours and not being team driven. And as we all know, there's no I in team. 
But of course, that can work both ways. Bonus schemes can actually be quite divisive and unfortunately have unintended consequences. The second area that I've seen unintended consequences has been where companies have focused on enhancing pay and benefits of one group, quite often a lower paid group, which can have real unintended consequences upstream. So I've had quite a few examples where middle management have become increasingly demotivated by junior staff having increased packages and increased benefits whom they manage. And I often hear managers when I'm on the road delivering management development programs basically saying, I may as well demote myself because actually for all the extra stress I've got, I wouldn't be that worse off now in a lower role for a lot less stress, which is why investing in your leaders to equip them with the tools that they need to be the best leader they can to manage their teams, to nip things in the bud and motivate and engage staff is just so, so important. Once again, Karen, it's all about culture. Yeah. And I don't want to finish on an employment lawyer point, but I'm going to have to. I suppose just to flag that if you're thinking about all this great stuff, if actually it means that you're making some significant changes to terms and conditions, just thinking about that, particularly where there may have been a choopy transfer, not time to go into that on this podcast, but just think about how you're going to implement some of this. A lot of it would be discretionary type benefit schemes that employers are just putting in place, but there will potentially be some impact on terms and conditions. So just some business planning there about how you put that in place and the clarity of it as well, making sure it's clear. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. I hope you found that useful. Joe, is there anything that you want to flag before you go? No, just to say, you know, if you want to know more about our management development programmes and corporate wellbeing programmes, please head over to the Foot Anstey internet and look up People Lab Management Development and Corporate Wellbeing. Thanks, Joe And Laura, we've got information on financial services as well available on our website, haven't we? Yeah, maybe head over there. We've got lots of information on there, which will be relevant to this kind of scheme. So yeah, just get in touch if you have any questions. Excellent. And Mike, if people want to know about how they can get unlimited annual leave, you're the guy. <laughs> um, perhaps so, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Feel free to, to get in touch. I think all of our contact details are via website. So yeah. Yeah. And joking aside, holiday pay is obviously a tricky and fraught and difficult area. So do come to us if you do want to know a bit more about that. The For Anstey Employment team, you can find more detail about us on the website. And obviously, we'd be delighted to hear from you if there's anything that we can help with. And hope that you join us for the next podcast in this series.